Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusuf. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by ScriptRunner. ScriptRunner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell scripts and standardize and automate IT tasks via a graphical user interface for help desk or end users. Check it out on scriptrunner.com. What's up, Yussi? Hey, Toby. I've been traveling in Europe. So first, it was Collab Summit and Cloud Summit in somewhat rainy Dusseldorf. And then I had a chance to visit family and friends around the Netherlands. Uh, but top of mind beyond this, it was fun, of course. But top of mind, and more importantly, I think I mentioned my felt mug coasters, perhaps once in, in one of the previous episodes. Those were the ones that I got maybe eight months ago. But they were not that good. So today I got the new ones in the post. These are fantastic. It's darker shade. And the bottom is, I, I, I think this is cork or wood. And they're fairly tiny, so, so they're just optimal for my IKEA glasses and mugs that I frequently use at my home office. And this is the first time I'm actually using them, so I'm putting the glass down. You cannot hear anything. These are fantastic. <laughs> so for all we know, you might put your glass down 10 times during the episode, 25 times, and we don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, <laughs> this was one of the greatest investments I've done this year. That is really is top of mind for me. How about for you? I can, I can somewhat relate because I also have the felt desk pad uh, or, or desk mat or however you call them. And I also ordered coasters for my, for my drinks. I don't get a lot of new stuff, but I can agree with the sentiment that these are, are pretty nice. And, uh, you know, I like my clean desk, so I have a, a very small coaster and I have my cup on top of it and that's it. Nothing else on the desk. Obviously my keyboard and my mouse, but that's pretty much it. So it's very nice, very clean. Uh, I like them. So for me, I think I mentioned in a previous episode fairly recently that I uh, I set or I, I created my own malt wine or, or glühwein or glug, like we say in Swedish. So I think I talked about that and that is now finally ready. So it's been fermenting for quite some weeks now, I think in total four weeks. So it's ready to be put into bottles. So the smell in my home office is amazing. Uh, the mulled wine is fermenting very well. And it's just outside the door in the storage room outside of my home office. So it's, uh, I think it's time to buy these small giveaway bottles that you can find in, in any gift store or like Ikea also have them. So obviously in Sweden here, we have a lot of Ikeas. So I can just go to the closest one and, and pick some of these up. And then I can hand them out to uh, friends and family. So it's a, it's a nice holiday kind of uh, tradition that I, I started doing a couple of years back to create this mulled wine and, and hand it off to family and friends. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I did try it today just to get a sneak peek of, of the taste and it's pretty strong. So I think I need to get an alcometer as well. So I understand how much alcohol is in it because you definitely cannot drive when you, when you drink this, that, that's for sure. But I don't know to what extent and uh, the alcohol level goes up, but it's uh, it's an interesting thing to do, um, you know. So, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, putting that into bottles and giving it away to uh, to people who enjoy it. So 
that's going to be my next project for the, the coming days to find the bottles and put the milk wine, you know, readily produced into the bottles. This sounds really nice. So I'm imagining you're, you're trying like, let's, let's do one glass. Let's try the alcometer. Okay, so it's this level. Let's try a couple of more glasses. Let's try the alcometer. And then you can sort of calibrate <laughs> what the level is going to Gotta be. Got to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One for you, one for me, one for you, yes. one for me. <laughs> so now that you mentioned the felt mug coasters, I think we need to put a link in the show notes because somebody might, might be listening on this and going, gee, those mug coasters, they sound really fancy. I might need to take a look as well. So we'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. So today, this is episode 112, Azure Updates. So quite frequently, roughly once per month, we do a look at all the recent Azure updates. What's new? What's interesting? So let's start. Which, which item, which update would you like to talk about first? So I have a long list of, of things I would really like to talk about, but uh, you know, given the uh, time constraints we have and also probably the retention period of anyone tuning into a podcast, you don't have five hours to listen to me talk about that. So I picked some of the ones that I think are most interesting right now. And one of them is something that impacts pretty much any organization using Azure and an Azure monitor. So you now have, and this is in GA, so it's generally available, audit logs of Azure monitor log queries, right? So you enable this through the Azure diagnostics mechanism and then you collect telemetry about who ran a query, when that query was run, what tool was used to run the query, and the actual query itself, and any performance stats uh, that goes with the query. So the delivery options to, to get the audit logs, you know, it's the standard delivery options. You have Azure Storage Blob, Azure Event Hub, or Azure Monitor Logs. So, which is kind of uh, like Inception in a way, or Catch-22, that you audit all the queries you execute and you send them back to Azure Monitor, which you then audit. But I think the design here is of course that you have a, a centrally managed, perhaps Azure Monitor or a repository or log analytics workspace where, where you do audit logging and events like that, where you send diagnostic logs. And then from all your applications and all the different places around your Azure where you use Azure Monitor, where people can make queries, you can send audit logs from those queries now back to your centrally managed audit log location, whatever that is. So again, the, the options are Azure Storage Blob, Azure Event Hub, which you can then, then take action on, or Azure Monitor Logs. So I, I think this is a really cool feature. And I, I really like it for several reasons. But one is, of course, to, to figure out where the activity happens. And using activity logs is when you talk with people about that, oftentimes a lot of people come back and say, well, that's because someone wants the control or someone wants to see my actions. Someone wants to see for security reasons what's going on. And when it comes to the Azure monitor and, and the audit logs, for me, it's also very much about understanding where uh, people interact with the logs. Where do we, like, do we need to keep all the logs we have? Do we need to have all these applications logging all these things if nobody actually take a look at them. So it's also a way to see who is executing queries against the logs, because it's not just if you do them from the portal, but you can also get audit logs from uh, that reports what tool was used to run the query. So if you did it through an API or, or if you did it from the browser or whatever. So I think the, there's quite some use cases for this. 
I have a long list of use cases already now where, where this will fit the bill for, for what I do on a daily basis. So I really like that one. I'm, I'm definitely going to take this for a spin right away. So audit logs for Azure Monitor log queries. Pretty cool, I think. This looks really nice. Uh, I'll definitely make a check mentally that I need to enable this on all of my tenants because this, this is perhaps something that I've thought perhaps should exist, but I, I couldn't really put into such nice words as this functionally. functionality seems to be. Great. First on my list, this is in public preview, and it's, it's a fairly complex and somewhat technical feature. So, so let me first quickly announce what the update is, and then I'll try to tell you what it really is. So officially, the announcement is create a profile container with Azure files and Azure Active Directory. So this doesn't really tell you much beyond you're creating a container in Azure storage. So not the container container, but more like a container for content. But what really happens here, I, I think the title is a bit misleading. What's really happening here, the actual capability that was announced as part of this is that Azure AD now supports Kerberos authentication. That's key here, because that hasn't been previously available beyond Azure AD application proxy could sort of do Kerberos with on-prem, but this is for the cloud. So many of the use cases you could utilize here would be that you want to migrate your perhaps on-premises file shares. They could be DFS based on, on AD or just plain old file shares. You'd like to migrate those to Azure Storage instead of Teams or SharePoint Online. But then the problem is that how would users authenticate against that? And now you could expose that through Kerberos-based authentication, meaning that users wouldn't have to dial in use a VPN. They could simply leverage the open endpoint of the storage account uh, through Azure Files, but then you could enforce Kerberos authentication. So on paper, this looks really good. But much of the announcement is tied with Azure Virtual Desktop now being able to host something called FS Logics based user profiles to access Azure Files. And the whole thing with this is that you sort of have roaming profiles for users when they access their Azure Virtual Desktop based VDIs. But you can f sort of discard that and focus more on the Kerberos bit. The requirements for this are quite high. You need Windows 11 Enterprise or Windows 10 Enterprise version uh, 2004 or later, or Windows Server 2022. And you also must have hybrid user accounts provisioned. So this still requires the on-premises AD domain controller and Azure AD Connect in place. But then you have to opt for just one authentication method on the storage account. So you have three options, Azure AD, Active Directory Domain Services, or Azure AD Domain Services. So it's fairly complex, but key here is that we now have Kerberos authentication in preview that we can then utilize for, at least for now, for Azure storage-based needs, when eventually we might be leaving the on-premises behind. All right. I think that's 
uh, a lot to take in. Uh, but I, I think also because the the way I operate, everything we have is cloud native, and we don't actually have any on-prem environments at all. At all, so I think this is fairly hard for me to relate to um, today. I understand it, and I understand where this is coming from. I like this capability; it's it's uh, it's nice. But I'm also happy that I work only with cloud these days, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, not the single truth for for everyone, of course. But uh, yeah, it's an it's a nice area to uh, to play in. So the next update, or a collection of updates, I will say, because usually in these update episodes, I talk about what's new in Security Center. And the first news about Security Center is that it's no longer called Security Center, right? We, I think we talked about that in the previous episode or one of the previous episodes. So now this is called Microsoft Defender for Cloud, which is the, the old Security Center. And there are several updates that recently came out that I'd like to, to just highlight. And, and there's a really long list of great updates that came out, but I, I picked like four, three, four um, that I really like. So one being the obvious one, which is Security Center and, De, uh, and Defender became now Microsoft Defender for Cloud. We know this. The other one, which is also now GA, so uh, available right now, is Expanded Security Control Assessments with Azure Security Benchmark version 3. So this is... Azure specific set of guidelines for security and compliance and Microsoft built these, right? So it's not one of the existing frameworks like SOC 2 or NIST or CIS or something like this, but it builds on top of the CIS and, and CIS is Center for Internet Security. And it also builds on top of NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And in version three now, uh, there are some enhancements like additional mappings to PCI DCC 3.2.1. If this is a standard that you need to follow, there are additional mappings to CIS controls version 8. So again, the CIS is the Center for Internet Security. There are more granular and actionable guidance. So you have security principles, uh, which kind of provides insight, insights into the overall security objectives. And, and that kind of builds the foundation for the Microsoft recommendations. And then you have the Azure guidance, and that's the actual technical how-to for meeting the objectives. And then you have a bunch of new controls. You have DevOps security for issues uh, such as threat modeling and software supply, uh, supply chain security, uh, as well in, uh, as, as things like key and certificate management for best practices in Azure. So, there's a lot of welcome improvements and additions to the version three of, of the Azure Security Benchmark. So if you do use Security Center or Microsoft Defender for Cloud, like it's called now, I would urge you to take a look at that because all these new mappings that map to your existing resources inside of Azure, you know, we see here that the, this is a living organism. And we talked a lot about compliance and security in the past. And we can see, you know, all the time Microsoft does these updates, it's not something you should just put on the agenda to do someday to take a look at maybe later, I would always recommend and take a look at that right away if you can to just at least understand what has been introduced. Because every time a major update like this happens, I see that there are several controls that they map to certain of these uh, security and compliance standards that might be beneficial for our company and what we're doing or what you are doing in your organization. If you, for example, follow ISO 27001 or SOC 2 or SOC TSP or whatever it might be, whatever standard you're following, whenever these standards and these controls are enhanced, it helps us kind of achieve the, uh, 
certificate for uh, for such an audit if we go through an audit. So I, I really like that. And the other thing, which is also from Microsoft Defender for Cloud or previously Security Center, which is also in GA that's available now, is Microsoft Sentinel Connectors uh, optional bi-directional alert sync. And I know I mentioned this in a previous update episode. I think it was an update episode, but at that point, this was in preview. So essentially, when you connect Defender for Cloud to Microsoft Sentinel, the status of that security alert is synchronized between the two services. So an, an alert that you close in Defender for Cloud, it will be, be, uh, be displayed also as closed in Microsoft Sentinel. So, and this is the bi-directional thing. When you close the alert in one place, it also closes in the other. So you don't have one open alert and one closed alert for exactly the same thing. But the important thing here is that changing the status of an alert in Defender for Cloud will not affect the status of any Microsoft Sentinel incidents that contain the synchronized alert. So, so this is uh, kind of the key because that, that's what got me initially. In Sentinel, I can create incidents and I get incidents based on things and I also get my alerts. The alerts, when you close them, they are synced between the two services, but the incidents remain open. So the incidents happen in Sentinel and you have to take care of them there. So this is also a good realization when, when you kind of plan these things and you roll out alerts and, and however your SOC or however your team is, is using Microsoft Sentinel, this is good to know. But I like this, the, the capability to sync it. So I can go into Defender for Cloud or I can go into Sentinel wherever I am right now when I see the alert and I can say, all right, this thing is closed, taken care of, and then it will just close in both of them. So I really like that. That's a lot of updates in, in, in terms of security. I, I think I've configured the Microsoft Sentinel connectors optional bidirectional alert sync in preview, but I, I need to check because I think it's not automatically closing the alerts in Defender for Cloud for me. If, if I test something in Sentinel, I feel it's, it's not syncing to Defender for Cloud, but this is probably something I need to configure further. Really good stuff. So next on my list, and this is something that I've been waiting for a couple of years, and it's finally now, at least in public preview, Azure load testing. So we essentially lost load testing capabilities with Visual Studio, and I think it was in App Insight. We, we were able to create a load, load testing project as a .web test file. And we could upload that to App Insight and say, please run this. And depending on whatever the result is, let's do something. And it was a bit cumbersome to do, even if, if, if it was fairly easy to do in Visual Studio. But then trying to decipher the results was, was, was a bit of a mess. So that was eventually retired and deprecated by Microsoft. And for the longest of times, I felt that the guidance from Microsoft for load testing was, well, perhaps use something else and come back to Azure when you're done. So now Azure load testing is in public preview and what it essentially requires or uses for those load tests, those specific test cases is Apache JMeter scripts. So this sort of implies to me that perhaps it's, it's a sort of a hosted Apache installation that eats the JMeter scripts. You can also execute these loads uh, to your CI CD pipeline, perhaps using Azure DevOps. Uh, I haven't tried this yet. So, so that's, that's on my to-do list for later this week to try this out. 
perhaps to compare to what we had in App Insights. And I think about 57 episodes ago, we did talk about the open source implementation from Microsoft called Playwright that sort of allows you to do testing and a bit of usability testing and maybe some load testing as well. So this seems more professional. Uh, pricing, it's, it's a bit peculiar. It's 8.9 euro a month. So that's, that's about what, $10 a month. And it includes 50 virtual users that you can utilize for your load testing. And that's a fixed fee. And then whenever you're running your load tests, the price is 0.13 euro per hour. So that's about 15 cents an hour, up to 9,950 hours. And if you go beyond this, keeping in mind that per month you have 744 hours typically, times 50 virtual users, if you go beyond that 9,000 and some hours, the additional hours are 6 cents per hour. So this, this looks really interesting. Um, I, and and I, I had a quick look at the docs on, on how to get started with this, and, and it looks fairly easy. So glad to have this. Hopefully, this will be a service a bit like Chaos Studio that we did talk about some time ago, that it would rapidly evolve based on the feedback that Microsoft is getting back. I, I really like this, and I, I took a look at it right now. I haven't seen this before. And... I mean, we we operate and run cloud services with uh, you know public facing front ends and and web apps and things like that. So we really need it. We used to rely on the cloud test that was built in back in the day. It was deprecated some year ago, so we couldn't use that anymore. And also the Visual Studio load test and all that is deprecated. But the the one in Azure was actively deprecated, and they started recommend recommending other solutions. Unfortunately, or fortunately, we moved away, of course, from the deprecation that happened in Azure because we couldn't create new load tests and then we went to other solutions. Um, you know, unfortunately, it was harder to manage because it was a third-party service and we had to manage a lot of things. What I really like about this is you do this from, from inside of Azure. You can just go and create a new resource, a load testing resource. Like you say, it's currently in preview and then you can manage it from there. So in my case, I already have the Apache JMeter scripts. So I, I have a bunch of those things and I can measure the load. And I know like the, the hours up to 9,950 hours, it can sound like that's a lot of hours. When you do load testing and you simulate 250 users running for, you know, 20 minutes and then you scale it up and then you scale it down and then you do this and then you, the minutes fly away. So so definitely it's a good idea to uh, to take a look at this service. I really like it. Pricing, I don't know what the impact would be for the load test we run, but definitely something I will check out. This is... Probably the best update I've I've heard in a while because it directly ties into exactly everything that I do. So very happy about that one. So the next one, actually, let's do two updates because I don't have that many. So a very small one here is the app service authentication feature now supports custom open ID providers. So if you use app services, and and I know I know I want to mention this because I've had the dialogue with several people over the years about using OpenID for authentication and what providers are support and how can you do that. Now Azure App Services and Azure Functions, you can configure custom OpenID identity providers. Simple as that. And uh, this is now in GA, so you should be able to do that. Now the the other updates that I wanted to talk about is AKS related updates, and they, these are two updates for 
uh, GA or, or that are available now in general availability. Um, the first is creating an AKS cluster without a local user account. Again, coming back to zero trust and security and, and how you configure stuff. AKS feature uh, like this allows for AAD integrated clusters to be created without any local admin user account. So by default, uh, access to the cluster is through a local admin user. And now you can disable this local account when you set your AAD or set up the cluster with AAD. So security teams all over, they're now going, ooh, this is awesome. And so am I. And we actively don't use AKS at the moment, but I'm spinning up a couple of clusters for non-production things here and there. So it's also welcome from that angle. But you know, anything that kind of disables these custom admin accounts and custom user accounts and instead rely on, on the security controls you have inside of your AAD and, and identity provider there is, is actually really nice. So this is a super welcome change for me. I really like it. The other item for uh, AKS is auto certificate rotation, which is also something related to, uh, to the security and, and also compliance aspects. So AKS uses certificate for authentication with many components. And you should always rotate your certificates, no matter what kind of service you're operating, obviously. Uh, and AKS can do that now automatically and handle the rotation of non-CA certs on both uh, the control plane and the agent nodes before they expire. And in theory, this is without any downtime. So that's good. Uh, this is being rolled out right now and is expected to be fully rolled out by February, 2022. So although it's in GA, you may or may not have it available yet for your clusters. So you might want to check out the announcement and, and or see if this is available for your region and subscription at this point in time. Interesting updates. I don't run AKS in production at the moment. Every now and then I, I deploy one for testing stuff, but uh, I, I like the ability to, to create a cluster now without the local user accounts. So for me, what I have left on my list of updates, I've got two fairly small ones, and then one that's perhaps a bit more, uh, I wouldn't say complex, but perhaps more widely to be used. So the first two tiny ones, the VPN gateway has now support for NATs, so network address translation. And this supports one-to-one -one static NAT and one-to-many dynamic NAT. What it means is that you're building perhaps a site-to-site -site VPN between your on-premises network or networks and Azure. And, and usually on Azure, you have one or more virtual networks. So on Azure, you might allocate uh, a set of IP address ranges, and those might overlap with some address ranges you have internally, where you're routing your traffic between on-prem and Azure. So now you can do the network address translation on the gateway. Before this, it, it wasn't technically really possible. You would have a problem in routing and you would have to resort to all sorts of shady things. So if your address spaces overlap, you need to build the VPN gateway, then definitely enable the NAT option, which you can do later as well. The second one, and this is super tiny, but I, I at first I thought nobody needs this capability. Uh, and the capability is virtual machine selector. So this is a tool that, that runs on, on azure.microsoft.com slash pricing slash VM selector. And it will ask you, 
what sort of capabilities do you need from your VM? Perhaps you need a GPU, perhaps you need Ultradisk, perhaps you need this and that. And then it proposes, okay, you need this specific type of a VM. And previously I felt, well, nobody needs this because you can easily memorize the VM types. But now there's, there's like 275 different types. So perhaps this is useful now. So those were the first two fairly easy ones. But the last one that I have on my list, SFTP support for Azure Blob Storage in public preview. This is interesting. So whenever you need to integrate often legacy data or data from on-premises or external to Azure uh, data sources, you might use Azure Data Factory or some sort of fancy integration engine. But far too often, hosting companies and, and enterprises prefer using FTP, which of course is unencrypted, as FTP allows for, for securing that, that transfer path as well. But since Azure didn't support SFTP, now you can enable that to a storage account, which is super useful because on the storage account, you can enable data lake services. You can then dump whatever data you need in the storage account and it becomes available in the data lake. And now you can build your data platform and integration from there on without resorting to using VMs in between. The limitation for now is that this is only available in limited regions. For Europe, this is only available in North Europe, not West Europe. And in the US, this is only available in East US too and North Central US. And in Canada, only Canada Central and in Australia, only Australia East. You need to fill out the form and then you need to go to your subscription, click preview features and enable this, and then it becomes available. This is free for now. Pricing hasn't been listed yet, but I, I feel like this might be a game changer for those everlasting integrations that push CSV files back and forth, but now you can do it securely. Okay, I, I think this was all we had. Super interesting ones here. Um, I, I know I will have a busy week and trying many of these out. So the last thing we have is the unexpected question. And, and based on my bookkeeping, it is my turn to ask you, Toby. So here it goes. And, and I am carefully positioning my glass on the felt coaster first. If someone asked to be your apprentice and they would ask to learn all that you know, what and how would you teach, teach them? You know, that's a really good question. And, uh, you know, I think we can go really deep or really shallow in an answer like that. But I think, you know, uh, stay humble. Being humble will get you really far. Stay true to yourself and who you want to be. Also very important. Successes in life will follow if you treat others with the same respect you demand yourself. Always choose the higher road. Be the better person. Be a leader, not a manager. Don't pe tell people what to do. Show them what to do. I think these are, are like the common traits that I would like to, uh, to share as wisdom with whoever would be my apprentice in life. Because this is about at least... The way I read the question is that it's um, an apprentice about life, not just business or, or Azure, because that would, of course, angle the answer a little bit. But I think just uh, that would apply in, in business as well. Uh, you know, uh, be humble, you know, be, be humble about the, the challenges, be transparent about what you know and don't know, 
always be the better person. There's actually, uh, if I had to recommend one thing, I would probably say read the book called Extreme Ownership, which changed a lot of my opinions or, or my ideas about a lot of things. And, and the TLDR on that is, you know, own your mistakes, but also own them even if it's not your mistakes. Take accountability. Don't just make someone accountable for something or be accountable because someone made you accountable. Make yourself accountable and responsible for figuring things out and own the responsibility of those things. That will get you far. So yeah, that was a pretty serious answer to a very unexpected question. And, and I, I have some funny answers as well, but I think this was, if anyone is listening in, I, I think this is something that is uh, true to heart that, you know, and that would be my takeaway. And you ask me again in 10 years, I think I would probably answer the same thing. I, I really like your thinking here. I do have the book that you mentioned, and I started reading that about maybe a year ago. I think I was traveling and, and, and there was something really off-putting about the book. The book. I think it the, the 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 sort of analogs to different things in life were too focused on the U.S. Army or some such, and and that's a fairly distant thought to me. But what I will do, and I I know we've discussed this before. What I will do, I will restart with the book uh, tonight, and I don't promise to get it done tonight. But in the coming weeks, I will complete the book. So if I have one recommendation, it's, um, you know, read the book. And I can agree because this, you know, whatever, U.S. military and, and you know, anything uh, related to that is obviously very remote for, for us in Europe. So some of the things, and I think it's really easy to relate to everything they say, even if the situation itself is remote, the way they handle that situation later than in business it's, it's a nice analog or a walkover from other things in their life than now to how they run their business. So I, I think that is uh, the takeaway for me. Uh, you know, lessons learned from the field, but, you know, in, in the end, own your mistakes, but also own them even if you're not accountable for them. And again, be a leader, take charge, get things done. I like it. Yeah, so, so, sounds really good. So thank you again for joining us for episode 112 on Azure Updates. And we hope you'll join us next week as well. Thank you. All right. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.